Hey, welcome back to Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. What's and I'm on? Randy. Yeah, I figure I'll let you do it. I've been yeah. stealing it from you lately. <laughs> uh, we, today, are talking about one of my favorite people that I don't know a whole lot about. Yeah, I really don't think I do either, but that's never stopped us from talking about things before, has it? Right, exactly. Um, so we're, we're good. We're right on yeah. track. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, d- did a little bit of research. I'm familiar with his writings. I'm familiar with his views on the world in a lot of ways. Yeah, but we're going to kind of look a little bit more biographical. We've actually talked about one of his books uh, here. Probably a few, to uh, be honest. Probably more than one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so C.S. Lewis, Clive, Clive Staples. Staples Lewis. Staples. It's a family name. It's it's. It's got to be a family kinda name. Kind of like my... my, my grandfather's mother was Ballard, so he was Mark Ballard Spate. Oh, I kind of like that, though. Yeah. That's kind of fun. But that's not a thing. What's your mother's maiden name? Garlow. So, Zachary Garlow. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been Randy Bowersock Spate, and that's just not. Bowersock? Bowersock, yeah. What is that? That's incredible. Yeah. That's, That's a huge. That's a big name in Northwestern Ohio. Really? Oh, yeah. Man. Big All family. right. Big oh, family. That's that's interesting. Very German. So, Clive Staples Lewis, C.S. Lewis, known by friends and family as Jack Lewis. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah. Was born in what year? What year? What year? Eight, 1898. 1898. That's like a million years ago. Well, it's definitely two centuries ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he was born in Belfast, Ireland. Is Belfast the capital? It's not. It is now the capital of uh, Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. Okay. Oh, so is Ireland split? Not at the time that Lewis was born, but it is now. It's two countries. Uh, it's. Uh, yeah, they they talk about the counties of Ireland. The counties are are far more important than they are here. Really, and uh, the southern twenty some, and the northern four. So there are only four counties left in North Ireland. Interesting. And I may have those numbers all wrong. Please forgive me. I'm a ignorant American and know nothing about uh, the Irish. <laughs> So uh, to to kind of get you briefed, I mean, some of the books that C.S. Lewis has written, and you know, if you're if you're a Christian, there's a good chance you know of C.S. Lewis. But uh, if you're not, or if you're you're not familiar with C.S. Lewis, uh, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He right. wrote the that's probably his most famous book. Uh, sure, especially since they've been turned into movies now, and at yeah. least among Christians, those are are movies that you may actually have in your own. Sure. Digital library. Yeah. And they're pretty good. Oh, they're, they're pretty great. solid. Yeah. Um, the, the first books one's are way dated a little bit. Movies. Yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> that's what I hear. Um, screw tape letters. Yeah. Mere Christianity. And we talk specifically about a book called The Problem of Pain. Problem of Pain. Uh, but he also wrote the book Miracles. The Great Divorce. The Great Divorce, A Grief Observed. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Abolition of Man and the all of The Space Trilogy. And The Space Trilogy, one of my favorites. That one's a little little different than the rest, but... Very much so, and it's it's written in the genre of science fiction. I wouldn't really call it science fiction. No, it seems it's, a little bit like Narnia. It, it, it's a it's theology like, work. Like yeah. sci-fi theology Narnia. Basically, it's Lewis saying, what would have happened if Adam and Eve had not fallen... And that's the story of Mars. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the third book, the story of Venus, uh, is... No, that's the second book. What happens... Uh, uh, the, the hero of the book actually travels to Venus where Adam and Eve are in the process of the temptation. And it has one of the spookiest, scariest written segments I have ever read in my life. What's that? I won't be able to do it justice, but uh, the hero's name is Ransom. Yeah. 
and uh, he goes there to help the Adam and Eve figures of Venus. Yeah. And uh, the devil is there to tempt them. And Ramson figures out, I can physically fight off this demon and try to hold him at bay, keep him away from the Adam and Eve figures so they can actually make a decision. And he tries to fight him, but he is uh, a supernatural being. Yeah. And so there's nothing he can do to really beat him up. But he holds him at bay. And at one point, they get stuck together, ransom and the devil figure, in a cave, and it's pitch black. And out of the blackness, Ransom hears, Ransom, Ransom, Ransom. And he goes on and on. It's like 15, 20 times, Ransom. And finally he says, What? And the demon says, never mind, ransom. He's just trying to just... <laughs> he's, he's trying to keep him awake. He's, he's trying he to keep him... let him sleep. Right, unnerved. And it is one of the freakiest, spookiest. I mean, uh, yeah, my hair stood on an end. But, you know, it's a Hitchcock kind of spooky. Yeah, it's not yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's not the blood and gore... Uh, Jump scares. It's not a nightmare it's, on Elm Street. It's not a nightmare on Elm right. Street. That's it's fair. it's the birds. Well, I don't know. Now that you're saying he was not going to let him sleep, it is kind of a nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. <laughs> true, true. But C.S. Lewis. So he was born uh, in Ireland. He was raised as a Christian. In fact, his grandfather was a priest in the Church of Ireland. Yep. Uh, they called them priests, but it's more of a Protestant. Uh, so he would have been on the Protestant side of things. Yeah, Anglican is more Protestant, but it's kind of a hybrid. Now, okay, so sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but just to clear things up. Later on, he will join the Church of England. He does. Is that also Anglican? Y- yeah, it's, uh, it is the Anglican Church. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, the Church of Ireland, the Church of Scotland are brands of the Anglican Church, gotcha. but they're each individual and separate. Yeah, sure. Kind of like the Eastern Orthodox Church right. is split right. into Greek Orthodox. And So Lewis's upbringing, he, he did not have a happy childhood. Now, he remembers very fondly where he was born, but when he returned from the war and uh, he basically came back from World War II, because of World injuries, War World War One. World War One. Because of injuries, his father never visited him. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, his dad was kind of a jerk, is what it seemed like. Kind of eccentric kind of and like, weird, and. And his mother died when he was nine years old of cancer. Mm-hmm. And then he went. His dad put him in a boarding school where he was for three years. The school closed when the headmaster was committed to a psychiatric ward. So go figure what school would have been like. Right. And apparently by the end of it, there were very few students left. So it was just Lewis and a few other people. Everybody saw what was going on, but Lewis's dad didn't care. And so he ended up being there to the bitter end. And I, I think, frankly... It, it did a piece on him. It, it uh, messed him up. He came out of that being an atheist. Yes. Yeah. He, um, he had a fascination, though, with mythology. With, uh, was it Icelandic mythology? Like northern I mythology? Some Norse mythology. It yeah, I think it might have yeah. been Icelandic. Because he, he joined a group where they learned Icelandic so they could read the myths in the original language. Well, that was a little bit later. That was later. That yeah, was later. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is odd. We'll get to that. We'll get to that because that, that was odd. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, he uh, he was really just fascinated by, like, reading as he was growing up yeah. because his dad yeah. had a lot of books. He yeah. said it was is easy to go find a book as to walk out into a field and pick a blade of grass. That's that's pretty easy. That's a lot of books, man. And apparently he and his brother created a fictitious world 
that was run by animals. Does that sound familiar? That makes so much <laughs> sense. Uh, yeah, he it was saying how like he was uh, really intrigued by like uh, anthropomorphic right right animals in stories like uh, Peter Cottontail. So the, Beatrix Potter yes, and yes. and all of that, yeah. which makes a lot of sense it on inspiring does. Narnia down yep. the line. And then you mix that with the fact that, sorry, skipping ahead, as we're going to have to a few times here, but he was a professor of the medieval right, at Oxford. medieval literature. And so, like... And he wrote, he wrote, in fact, a textbook that I think was used well into the 60s and 70s in medieval literature. Really? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So here I'm seeing Norse mythology. North, Norse mythology is uh, one of the big ones. Um, and uh, oh, something else. While he was uh, he he got he got sent home from the uh, from the school where the guy was sent to the psychiatric hospital, but then he was sent to Campbell College, which was about a mile from his home, and uh, he had to leave there due to respiratory problems. So he oh, had health yeah. problems as a kid too. And he went back to England. Apparently, England was a little bit. Easy. Well, Ireland yes. is really, really humid, uh, yep. really wet most of the year. That's why it's so green. England, not so much. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Get away from the from the humidity. Yeah. So, yeah, he goes to England. He's not all that fond of England. <laughs> Does not like it. But he's got to live there because of his health. Exactly. He's got to live there because of his health. Uh, but it really just kind of makes him come to appreciate Ireland all that much more. And uh, he he would make comments about meeting people from Ireland and how excited he was about that. And uh, so, so he kind of like, I don't know, he viewed Ireland with just this, this fondness that he very much did not have for England. Right. But you know, you – oh, that's a different author. I was, I was just going to make uh, – uh, Draw parallels between Ireland and the Shire, but that's Tolkien, who is a very good friend of uh, Lewis. So I wonder if he influenced him there a little bit. That's very possible. Yeah, that's very possible. Um, yeah, he was also a big fan of Yeats, William Yeats. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he liked. I think he liked Yeats because of Yeats's focus on Celtic, yep, uh, fairy tales and and mythology. And Yeats wasn't all that popular among the British crowd, and that made uh, Lewis really upset because <laughs> he just di- couldn't understand why people didn't appreciate him. And so Yeats was a fellow Irishman, and so he was saying, well, maybe maybe it's just us. Maybe we're the only ones that get this kind of thing. What kind of things did Yeats write? Oh, that's a great question. Yeats. William Butler Yeats. And let's see here, his works. Huh. It's not really saying. No. Tell you what, I'm going to find out. Because, like, William Yates is one of those names I'm incredibly familiar with. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you a single... It looks like he does a lot of poetry, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Okay, that's... Yep. I don't know if there's any... Yates. The Lake of uh, the Lake Isle of Innisfree is one I'm seeing a lot. I don't know. I'm not familiar okay. with that. Sailing to Byzantium. I'm not. I mean, the, the, yeah. I'm not a big poetry guy. I'm not either. I'm not. I, I don't know. I, I think Lewis definitely was. And you can tell by his writing that he would be. He was. Oh, he was very heady, very wordy. He's got a wonderful way of expressing himself. Just fantastic. Yeah. So uh, after World War One, though, uh, well, sorry, should we get on to he World War He goes off I? to war. Yeah. yeah, he goes off to war and uh, made a real close friendship with, what was the fellow's name? Do you have it there? Yeah, there were so many people. <laughs> well, it's the one I think you know where I'm going. Yeah, I know it. where you're going. I'm yeah. trying to find uh, Moore, uh, Patty Moore, Francis Patty, Patty Moore. Francis Patty. Sorry, Moore. sorry, sorry. It's Edward Courtney Francis Patty Moore. <laughs> yeah, because okay. you need like seven names. In, right, in and that then day. you go by the name Patty. 
Yeah. Which is a great Irish name. So they became really close friends, and they said, if either one of us dies, then uh, both our families are kind of aging. So uh, if either one of us dies, then the other will take care of, of, of that other family. Exactly. And sure enough, Patty Moore died in the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lewis, when he came back, he came back as a as a lieutenant. I mean, he was more than just a, a serviceman, I think. Uh, but he came back and uh, he took care of uh, Janie, Janie, Janie Moore. Yeah. So he would have been 18 when they met, and she would have been 45. Right. And right. so he would write about her uh, as his mother. He would call her his yeah. mother. Yeah. And he just was super fond of her, took care of her for, what, until she died? Until she died, which I think she died relatively young. Um, yeah, I didn't see anything about an actual, like, date when she had passed away. Yeah, they moved with him. Um, ba, 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 ba. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. But. Yeah. The, the the big thing here, though, <laughs> is there's a lot of controversy surrounding what their relationship actually was. Yeah. Um, it it like there were certain people who had stated early on, knowing Lewis, that no, there's no way that he, you know, that there was anything right going on there besides just like a a, a motherly son kind of yeah. deal. Uh, but later, those some of those same people had kind of taken back what they had said originally and said, no, from what I talked to with people that knew them well, uh, they might have been lovers. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, this is a weird time. This is a pre-Christian age for for Lewis. Sure, It's, you know, who knows? Right, because, I mean, at this point in his life, he has denounced the faith. He is an atheist through and through. Right. Uh, has been for what at least three years when he meets her, and and now boom, here we go. She died in 1951. 1951. So yep. what? How old would she have been? Um, not sure. If she was 45 at the end of the war around 1920, then that would be 30 years later. So, so well she into would have her been 70s. 70s yeah. And apparently, she was eventually moved into a nursing home where she suffered from dementia, and Lewis visited her every day. So he continued to care for her. Hmm. Okay. Which, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. So he, uh, when, when did he move to Oxford? Would have been before that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the problem, the problem with learning all this about Lewis is it's like drinking from a water hose because yeah. it, so much of his life, like there's so many big things happening, but they're all interlocking. Like they're all kind of crisscrossing over each other. And so it makes it kind of hard to keep up with when what happened. Right. So apparently when he came back from the war, he went to Oxford. Yeah. And studied and advanced there. And just began working there as soon as he graduated. Became a tutor and uh, then a fellow. And uh, that's English speak for a professor, I guess. It seems like so. he never left, though. Yeah, I don't <laughs> he think he kinda, ever did. I don't kind think of he just ever hung did. Well, that happens, though, with a lot of professors, too. I mean, like, you know, if you're going to be a scholar, you generally go to college and you just don't ever leave college, yeah. right? Yeah. That's the idea. Um, and so, yeah, along that journey, he starts meeting all of these interesting Christians. And this is the thing that kind of put us on to Lewis. Uh, uh, our friend Lori yeah. uh, sent us uh, an article, sent links to an article. And the article is about uh, Lewis's uh, faith journey, yeah. how he came to faith. And uh, the thing that is so compelling about this faith journey is that it's not the result of uh, a compelling presentation of Christianity. He just met a lot of people who all happened to be Christians. 
And each one had a little bit something different to uh, contribute to this faith journey. Yeah. It, it wasn't like anybody won him over by just beating him in logical debate or right. anything like that. Right, right. Um, it was just all merely relational. They were just all authentically Christian. They were themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the, the common theme, though, that I see throughout all of them, well, not all of them, but through several, was how surprised he was to find Christian intellectuals. Right. And it's like right. it bothered him when yeah. he would meet these incredibly brilliant men, and they were Christians. <laughs> and so he was just, like, fascinated by, like, why are you a Christian yeah. if you are this intelligent, you right. know? Right. And that bothered him, and that I think that kind of got him thinking. Now, Lewis was already, uh, he, he was a little bit jaded on God, on the church, mm-hmm. because his mother had died. So he dealt very firsthand with the problem of uh, evil in the world. How can my mom have died of cancer? She never did anything to anybody. So he meets this guy named Arthur Greaves, um, who is apparently he is just a very authentic, genuine Christian, but he's not an intellectual. No, by any by any stretch of the imagination. No. It seemed like he wasn't all that smart, really, at all. Just a very simple but kind, authentic, humble guy. I love this quote from Lewis that he wrote. I think I know where you're going. Yeah. I learned charity from him and failed for all my efforts to teach him arrogance in return. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't you love that? He was just authentically a Christian. Um. Lewis tried to be snarky. Yeah. And he couldn't be with him because he was too genuine. (laughs) Yeah. And then another comment he made was he said, looking back on our debates, like on any time we would come to a disagreement, he said, um, even though he never made like a, a logical appeal for why I was wrong, through his actions and his kindness and his collectiveness, like he won every single one of those arguments, <laughs> even though he wasn't like smarter than Lewis. He didn't yeah. know more than Lewis, but like his demeanor is what won those debates because Lewis just didn't have the character that this man had. And that, that affected him. Just living a simple Christian life is a huge testimony. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we're not, I mean, <laughs> as much as we like to think we're called to all be like biblical scholars, we're really not. No. We're we don't called, have to be. No, we're called to love people. That's right. And to tell them about Jesus and go be Jesus to them in their lives and lead them to Jesus. Right. That's it. It's not about how many books you read. Jesus didn't say they'll know you're Christians by your amazing intellect. He said they'll know you're Christians by your love. Well, in all fairness, they they didn't really know Jesus by his amazing intellect. Like, I mean, like true too. What he was, he had great knowledge of the scriptures. Yeah, but like his demeanor, the way he carried himself, very calm and simple man. We were just talking about that the other day. Like you said, he would have been a hillbilly by their standards. That's right. And then when they saw the way he lived and the way he viewed life and the way he talked about things, they realized, like, oh, there's something more about this guy. Going back to The Chosen, that's that's one of the things I love about the portrayal of Jesus there. He's just a very down-to-earth kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. He's not otherworldly. He is very this-worldly. But if anything, he is the only authentic human who ever lived. He's the only right. one that was truly genuine. Right. In all situations. It's like he's not trying to impress anybody. No. He's no. just doing the right thing, just trying to be there for other people. And that is the mentality that kind of got Lewis. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that got I his wheels. Caught straight. his eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think later reflecting on it, he yeah. realizes how much that meant. So Lewis, uh, he is studying now at Oxford. 
And he is progressing. He's become a fellow at Oxford. He begins to write some books on medieval literature. He is a professor of medieval literature. If if I understand right, he wrote uh, like a textbook on medieval literature that would continue to be used for a couple of decades. And uh, during that time there, they had started reworking the uh, like English chapter within the school, like teaching English literature kind of deal. Okay. And that's when J.R.R. Tolkien got brought on. And read that quote. I love that quote about uh, his... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Lewis first met Tolkien, um, I don't think Tolkien was Irish. No. I think he was English. And he was a Christian. And he was a Christian as well. He was, I believe, a devout Catholic. Yes. If I remember right. Yeah. So Lewis, when he met him, he wrote in his diary... There's no harm in him. He only needs a smack or so. <laughs> He's all right. But yeah, I kind of want to hit him in the face. upside the head. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. interesting. But eventually they become the closest of friends. And and here's, here's a really cool thing, okay? The reason they became close friends was over their love for mythology. And this is what you were is talking about earlier. when they start yes. to study Icelandic so they yes. can read the myths in the original it, Was language. it Icelandic or Norse or whatever? I'm not sure. It's, it's, in, it's, it's in there. It's, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, he becomes close with Lewis by both of their love for, for something that is not Christian. That I would say many Christians would turn around and look at it and say, "Oh, you shouldn't look at things like that. You shouldn't read Norse mythology. That's bad." You know, <laughs> and then you've got these guys over here studying it, and that's part of what brings Lewis to Christ. It is. It is. And all this time, Tolkien has already created this world, which Lewis and his brother did in a different way mm-hmm. with animals. Mm-hmm. So Tolkien creates it with. With men, elves, dwarves, orcs, uh, I mean, he actually composed languages for each genre of uh, entity that there was. Yeah, no, he wrote Elvish. He wrote in Elvish. And and the scary thing was he was a linguist, and so, like, his languages are usable. Oh, yeah. Like, they're real languages. It's not just, like, something you watch – like – like watching like Game of Thrones or something, and they speak Dothraki, and right. then all of a sudden you've got a bunch of guttural noises, and you just pretend it's a language. Right. He wrote he, a language in <laughs> a script that is not a Roman script. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, the guy had to have been a genius. Oh sure, but yeah. I think that's why he caught Lewis's eye. Yeah. Because here's yeah. the deal: Lewis was a genius. Oh yeah. He he Very was much so. he was brilliant. And so I think it took other brilliant people to make him consider things. And and that's what it took at the beginning of his kind of conversion to Christianity. Yeah. But later on, I think Lewis started to really respect the people that were not maybe of his intellect, but that were so much greater than him in faith. Yeah, yeah. Because he I makes a so. comment later after, and, and once again, jumping ahead, but he, <laughs> he eventually joins the Church of England. Mm-hmm. And he says something to the effect of, I was going into these places and standing and worshiping. Or he said, I used to hate going to the church because the hymns were stupid. The words were it just repeated the same thing over and over again. They weren't good songs, whatever. And he said, but now I find it an honor to be able to stand alongside these great men of faith in their shabby clothes <laughs> and their busted up work boots as they knew and sang every single word to each of these songs. And I could sing those songs with them. Wow. And it's like he like... I don't know, like he like loved the fact that he got to worship along these amazing yeah, men, yeah, but yeah. they weren't anything special. They were That's just before people. he probably never would have exactly. given the time of day to. Exactly. But now they had a common ground. He wrote, he met other guys like Neville Coghill, Tolkien. Um, oh, what was the other? Uh, they, they formed this band. The Inklings. They called the Inklings. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, there was another big writer in so there, too. We've got uh, Owen Barfield, Jack A.W. Bennett, Lord David Cecil, Neville Cogill, uh, Hugo Dyson is probably who you're thinking of. Could be. Uh, Adam Fox, J.H. Grant III, Roger Lancelin Green, Robert Harvard, C.S. Lewis, Camille Smith, Warren Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, Christopher Tolkien, which be, would be uh, J.R.R.'s brother, Charles Williams. There's, there's oh, several it was more. Charles Williams that I was, was thinking of, Charles Kingsley Williams. Well, Hugo yeah. Dyson was a big one, uh, okay. Henry Victor Dyson. And because okay. apparently Lewis had this thing for giving everybody nicknames, yeah, and so he gave him the nickname <laughs> Hugo. And actually, if you like do any searches on him, mostly you're going to find gonna Hugo. Hugo. But that's okay. not even his name; it's just something. He's, and it's a name that Lewis gave that him. Lewis just started calling. <laughs> so that's interesting, because it has nothing to do with his names. I I don't know. Wow, wow, interesting. But it it it's interesting. Lewis was apparently one of the big reasons that Tolkien eventually. Wrote The Hobbit yeah. and the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, and uh, began to put together uh, the Silmarillion. He died, and I think his son then published it posthumously. But Tolkien had already done most of the work for it, so it was really at that point just a editing job. So, uh, but it's it, it was Lewis that had that, and I remember reading a story about the Inklings where Lewis was in the process of writing uh, Narnia. Okay. And uh, <laughs> in Narnia, in the first book, the children are basically saved when Santa Claus comes to visit. Of course, he's never okay. called Santa Claus. He's um, Father Noel, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Tolkien apparently <laughs> looked at Lewis and said, come on. Santa Claus. <laughs> and Lewis says, it's a children's book. <laughs> but I see, I always loved that though. I love that oh, Santa's in too. it. Because here's the thing is you get this like secular versus Christian view on Christmas. Right. And so the secular world is Santa. Right. And then the Christian world is Jesus. And then if you actually look at Chris. Kringle, like, or what? What was his actual name? Uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, uh, Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas I, yeah, I think that's it what is it is. Christopher Kringle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever it is. But Saint Nicholas. If you actually, you know, he was Turkish, so it's definitely not Chris Kringle. Right, right. right. I, I'm yeah, getting it all mixed true, up here. True. But Saint Nicholas was a Turkish saint, I believe. And if you go look, I mean, he was a Christian. He was a believer. Oh yeah. And what he yeah. would do is he would go get gifts and bring them to and the poor he children. Would bring them to the poor. And yeah. so. For Lewis to take Santa and say, oh, well, Santa's a Christian. Santa's under under Aslan in this story because Aslan's the equivalent of Jesus. And Santa's right. like one of his people, yeah, and he's yeah. coming to help for Aslan. And so it's like, no, 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 Santa's good. He's just underneath Jesus, and he's nowhere near Jesus. And, like, and the thing that I love about that is he gives uh, – I think it's just the three children that are there then because Edward has been – He's been away. Yeah. So he gives Peter a sword. Mm-hmm. I gives he gives him an arm. A, a, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a mechanism of that that he uses to kill the White Witch. He gives um, Susan arrows mm-hmm. that she uses to fight off, and he gives Lucy a vial of something that she uses to heal uh, the dying. Yeah. So the gifts. It's not. Here's a. Here's a rubber ducky and a fire truck. Right, it's, right, right. You're going to need this, and it's items of war. Yeah. So, you know, all of this is playing in Lewis's mind. It's, I think it's just He's great. an interesting guy. He's an interesting guy. So by knowing these people, the process of his return to Christianity was not immediate, hmm. and it was not rapid. He first came back to theism. He first said, okay, 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 God can exist. So he moves from being an atheist to being a theist. I now believe that God exists. But the process from there to actually becoming a Christian and eventually joining the Anglican Church, I think was something that was a little bit more 
thought out in Lewis's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't so much the the testimony or the story that other people would tell him as much as it was, okay, so if God does exist, what would he be like? Well, as he looked around, he said, he's got to be the Christian God. That's the only one that makes sense, that is logical. Yeah. It actually said uh, he he had once he'd become a theist, he was looking at all these world religions, and he was talking to his friends, and he was saying, well, this is just another story about a dying God coming back to life. Right. And it said, but he soon came to the conclusion that this was that those were stories about dying gods that had come back to life, and this was a God that actually died. This was history. This was not right. myth. Right, right. And uh, so it said uh, on the 11th of May in 1926 is uh, when he met Tolkien uh, for the first time, um, but that he had, I think it was that he told Tolkien that when he came to Christianity, he came like a prodigal, kicking, struggling, resentful, <laughs> and darting his eyes in every direction for a chance to escape. You must picture me alone in that room in Magdalen College, Oxford, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him who I so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the, in the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed, perhaps that night the most dejected and reluctant convert in all England. <laughs> Like, he did not want to believe. Yeah. Did not want to, but it became so crystal clear apparent to him that he couldn't escape it. So it's like it started with relationship, and then it turned to a game of logic, and he just couldn't escape it. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. That is, that is. But he's also the kind of guy that you know would have researched it, because he, he couldn't. He couldn't not. He couldn't not. That's the kind of brain yeah. he had. Like yeah. he learned about things, and so I'm sure once he started down that rabbit hole, he just couldn't quit. And I think the difference between Lewis and a lot of people today that decide, oh well, Christianity is just not true; it's all a lie. I think what happens a lot of time is one, they're just not studying it; they're right. not actually right. learning, or two you don't want to believe it, and so yeah. you start yeah. pushing yourself down this path. Of just going, well, this makes more sense. I'm going to go with this over here. I like this idea better. Right. And it's more of a, it's it's not so much a logically reasoning in a way, so much as a, I am going to choose to ignore the truth. Exactly. Yeah. And and Lewis couldn't choose to ignore it. So that took place in 1929. Yeah. Right. Roundabout. Yes, 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 roundabout. Yes, yes. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Lewis converted to Christianity in 1931. 31. He had met Tolkien... In 1929, I think is what it said. Yeah. So he begins writing almost right away. Yes. Um, that is the time that we get screw tape letters. We get books like The Great Divorce. And it brings us up to World War II. Now, for whatever reason, and I didn't, maybe you know a little bit more about this. Uh, the BBC decided to put Lewis on air. During World War II, and he wrote about his, or basically he spoke about his journey to faith and kind of the uh, the thought processes that went into his decision to become a Christian. And those on-the-air uh, broadcasts. Uh, broadcasts, eventually... He writes and publishes in the book Mere Christianity. Yep. It's just a collection of those speeches, really. Of of certain ones of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that kind of hang together. And and that was one of the books that I read early on in my own my own walk with the Lord. Uh, I had become a Christian when I was about eleven. Really didn't do anything about it until I went off to college. And it was in college that I began I, I got turned on to C. S. Lewis. And I began to read some of his stuff and thought, wow, here is a thinking man, and what he is saying makes great sense. Oh, yeah. Well, I was studying math, so, you know, math and logic and and, uh, 
uh, his logic just stuck with me, and it and it it made great sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though. The BBC put him on the air. I I can't imagine something like that taking place today. Oh no. During war, but they saw the need to have someone of faith mm-hmm. to speak and to speak in an intelligent way to the doubts and the, and the struggles that people were having. I think that was probably where he began to also work out in his own mind uh, the underpinnings of the book, The Problem of Pain, mm-hmm. uh, where, where he began to say, okay, all of England is dealing with where is God in the middle of a war? And uh, Lewis said there is an answer. Yeah. Um, he saw how his own struggle translated to the world around yeah, him, and he yeah. could use his story to help, maybe help somebody. That's uh, more than a little bit Christian. <laughs> yeah, it is. It definitely is. That's, that's definitely, definitely what we're supposed to do with our faith story. Um I also noticed he was uh, put on a list of honors by George VI uh, in 1951 as commander of the Order of the British Empire, but he declined the title because he wanted to avoid any kind of political yeah. affiliation with it. That was interesting. Yeah, I thought that was wild. Um, and then actually it looks like he of was... he was Irish. <laughs> This was the English king that was offering it to him. I think no, there thanks. might have been some. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> no, I don't thanks. want it. <laughs> he, uh, he did join Cambridge, though. He left yep. Oxford yep. and went to yep. Cambridge uh, in 1954. But he had left. How does that work? Oh, yeah. Okay. He resigned from, uh, from Oxford to Cambridge in 1954. Right, right, yeah, right, gotcha. right, right. Um. But as frequently happens in those schools, I think there's still an exchange of ideas. Sure. Even, even lectures. Well, that's given. how it works here, sure. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes sense. It's more just like your office moves. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of yeah. what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, paycheck gets signed by somebody new, I'm sure. But it was here that he met uh, Joy Gresham, mm-hmm. who... Davidman Gresham. Davidman, because she was Jewish. So Jewish with that yeah, name. <laughs> right, right. So she was Jewish, apparently a former communist, mm-hmm. also converted from atheism to Christianity. They just had a lot like in Lewis. common, yeah. yeah. And they begin writing. Um, she has an abusive husband. They end up divorcing, which in the 40s, 50s, you know, that's not... Uh, that's a big deal. That's that's a very big deal. It's not uh, uh, nice people don't do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I imagine that a lot of their letters dealt with the issues of the problem of pain, with uh, uh, where is God in the midst of all of this. Yeah. And uh, at one point, she tells Lewis that she wants to move to England and she wants to gain British citizenship. Mm-hmm. So he marries her. <laughs> Just like on a friendship basis. Yeah. Like, I want to help you out. Yeah. Sure. That's crazy. That, it's cool. It's, <laughs> yeah, again, not something I would have done. Yeah. But uh, he did, and it made sense to him. But the funny thing is, after he marries this woman, he falls in love with her. <laughs> yeah, it, there was a really good quote. What was it? Let me see if I can find it really quick. Uh, oh, for Jack, the attraction was at first undoubtedly intellectual. Joy was the only woman whom he had met who had a brain which matched his own in suppleness, in width of interest, and in an analytical grasp, and above all in humor and a sense of fun. After complaining of a painful hip, she was diagnosed with terminal bone cancer, and the relationship developed to the point that they sought a Christian marriage. Interesting. Wow. Uh, 
so so after they had already been like politically married, right? Like like legally married. Then they took it to the church. Yeah, then they took it to the church. <laughs> and since she was a divorcee, though, it was hard right. to get a marriage. That's so right. they actually had a pastor friend of theirs perform the ceremony at her bedside. Wow, which was interesting. And I mean, they stayed married until she died. What four years after the fact? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was, it was not an easy passing. No, no, uh, it was bone it, cancer. It, it was painful. Sure. Yeah, and I guess uh, I guess her her one of her sons is still alive today. Oh, is that right? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's Jewish. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, Lewis though. I mean, and this kind of starts. Taking us to the end now, though, or the end of his life, uh, he dies not so long after her. A few years. She died in fifty nine. Uh, probably. Sorry, okay. I'm bouncing around a little bit here. No, it may have been, may have been after that. Oh, she died in sixty, July thirteenth, sixty. Yes, there you go. Um. Lewis writes what I think is his last book called A Grief Observed, where he wrestles again with the problem of pain. Um, It's a collection of essays, but among the other essays that he's written, he writes uh, uh, about uh, the problem of of, uh, dealing with the reality of bad things happening to good people. Yeah, um, and then the fact with that book, he he writes it under a fake name. Oh, he does. That's so right. pe- yeah, so people he didn't like uh, he didn't want people badgering him about it, and it was so raw and emotional for him. He he didn't want people to really know that it was him writing it. And so one of the interesting things that I read was that his friends during his grieving were recommending that book to him to help him with his <laughs> grieving. But he had written the book. They didn't know. Wow. I mean, that's I rough. Had no idea. I that's had no so idea. rough. Wow. Um, I'm not finding a, a year for his death, though. Um, for Lewis's death? Yeah. Oh, 63. 63. You told me earlier it was the day that JFK was. Yeah, killed. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's November the, is it the 20th, 63? The 22nd of 22nd. November okay. at 5.30 p.m., uh, one week before his 65th birthday. Um, he just had a heart attack. He'd just come back from the hospital. And uh, I think the actual written cause of death is kidney failure is okay. what killed him. But he collapsed in his bedroom a few days after having that heart attack and that was it. And, uh, yeah, I guess when he died though, it wasn't really, there wasn't a lot of talk about it in the media because like you said, it was the same day that JFK was assassinated and that was just the biggest thing in the world. Right. So kind of hard to overshadow that one. I remember that. Really? I can still remember. I don't remember anything else about the fifth grade, but I was in the fifth grade and I remember they, broke into the class, made the announcement uh, to the whole school of about 200 kids. Yep. And my teacher immediately broke down and began sobbing at her desk. And yep. I was so moved. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I've got like that was 9-11. Yeah. Third grade. Couldn't tell you another thing about third grade, but I remember that morning. Yep, yep. yep. Um, so Lewis died. What a legacy, though, the books that he's written. Still today, uh, 80, 90 years later. I think he's one of the best authors that's ever lived. They are still pertinent. They're still relevant. In the Christian world especially. Yeah. Um, because there's a... Well, the depth of what he's done, fiction, nonfiction, right. essays. Uh, and... You, depending on the book you pick up, that kind of determines how deep it's going to go or or how difficult of a read it's going to be. Yeah. 
Um, if you go pick up mere Christianity and just jump in, you're going to be like stopping on certain pages going, right. what are you saying? <laughs> Let me think about that. And, and it's not that it's not that it's difficult to understand. The words, the way he writes is just crystal clear, but the concepts just... Oh, see, I'd go the other way. I okay. Well, so it's a little bit of both. Okay. I think some of the concepts are kind of deep. Yeah. I think they're a lot. But then at the same time, I think there's a language barrier okay. with Lewis. Okay, yeah. In his speaking tone. Fair enough. I don't get it so much, though, when I'm reading his, like, kids' stuff, like the Space Trilogy or Narnia. Right. Because he kind of dumbs it down. Yeah. <laughs> and Well, yeah, he's writing for a different audience. Right, but when he's just speaking in, like, his native tongue, it's... A lot sometimes. Yeah. And I have to stop and be like, okay, what <laughs> does that word, like, okay, I understand, I understand. And then you move on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's it can be a lot. So something I think that's really beautiful about what Lewis uh, kind of set out to do was he wanted to see unity in the church. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so something you never really hear from him is knocking on denominations. Exactly. He doesn't do that. And I think that's really cool because somebody that gets hung up so easily on discrepancies and things like that, you would think he would have complaints about various denominations. Oh, and I'm sure he did. But he never wrote about it. He never wrote about it. He never aired those complacencies or complaints because... Not even in his letters, I don't think. No, because it's like he just wanted to see unity in the church. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, apparently, Tolkien was really bothered when he didn't join the Catholic Church, <laughs> I <think laughs> which so, I yeah. thought I thought that was yeah. kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's just like he had all these people or all these Christians he knew. They're from different denominations, and he just kind of yeah. considered what what works best for me. But he respected all of them yes. for getting him where he was. You get this. <laughs> you get this tone of respect. From Lewis, anytime mm-hmm. he's writing about somebody in the church, but you also get this dry wit. He is not afraid to take a stick and poke him in the eye. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, and and sometimes maybe a little bit. I don't know. He, he he's pretty cynical sometimes, yeah. Yeah. but always like in good fun, like the screw tape letters. Oh gosh, yeah, I don't. They know are the, fantastic. Like just the way it kind of. I don't know pokes fun at how stupid we are as people. And you know, you read it and you go, yeah, that is pretty stupid, isn't it? <laughs> but I think he's kind of doing it in himself too. Like it's Could almost be. a self-analysis yeah. of looking at his own life and where he's screwed up it, and now he's getting to turn it around and make this demon talk about people. And I remember reading and, and I'll probably get the exact words wrong, but he was with someone, they were walking down a street, and the man was begging for money. And so Lewis gave him a fairly significant amount of money. And the friend that was walking with him looked at him and said, Now, Jack, that man will probably go out and just spend that money in a pub and drink himself into a drunken stupor. And Lewis responded, Well, if I hadn't given it to him, I probably would have gone to his pub and drunken myself into a drunken stupor. <laughs> I like that. So yeah, yeah. The, but that was that was Lewis. He would take something, he'd turn it on its head, he'd make you laugh at it. But there was a point to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Charity is charity. Even no matter what he does with it, I needed to give that to him. There was a real sense of camaraderie between him and his friends too. Yeah. That I just don't I don't necessarily see a lot today. Like at least it's not super obvious. Yeah, maybe it's a behind closed doors thing. But just like But it, that's unfortunate, isn't it? I, I think it might have been the culture too though. Could be. I think the culture then was just a little more brotherly, like friendship. Let's oriented, go yeah. grab some drinks and smoke cigarettes and uh. chill. And that's what they did, oh, which yeah. is probably why he died as early as he probably. did. Probably. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, they just, yeah, they really seemed to care about each other, and it was awesome, and we need some more of that. We do. 
Zach, uh, one of the things that really uh, stuck out to me as I as I looked at Lewis's life, looked at his faith journey, looked at him coming to the Lord, there was no one person that had the right story, the right way to present the gospel. Mm-hmm. Instead, it was just people living their lives, not being afraid to let Lewis know, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, the reason he came to the Lord wasn't because there was one with the right story. It was because there was a lot of people just living their Christian life. Sometimes I think for us we get a little too caught up in getting our story just right. So we have people that say, well, my story isn't all that great. You know, I'm, I, I came to the Lord as a as a nine-year-old, I wasn't saved from life as a hitman or, mm. or you know, a drug runner. But, uh, but that's not the point. You live your life. You be a genuine Christian. You're not ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. You let people know, yeah, I'm a Christian. That's why I do some of the strange things I do. And let it go. And you know something you said there? You got people got to know you to know that though right like that's you've got to be engaged exactly and that's the one thing that all those people that affected lewis had in common is they knew him and if you look at the things that they got together to talk about they were not getting together to do a bible study they were not getting together. no they were studying other religions they were studying (laughs) old icelandic so they could read myths in the original language they were just doing normal things that they enjoyed it was just fun whether it's the PTA or going to a football game or, or you know, whatever it is, going foaling or axe throwing or I'm always whatever it foaling. is. <laughs> hey, man, I'll say this. I'll say this. So um, on, a, on a somewhat unrelated note, um, last night we, we had middle school here at the church. And so I was helping out with that. And mm-hmm. we, had, we just had game night. There was yeah. no lesson. There was no anything. It was just time to hang out together. Eat snacks. I was eating popcorn, drinking some Hawaiian punch, playing sorry, getting stomped at sorry. And then we just started playing all these other random games. After all the kids left, a few of us adults set up a table again and we got out another game. (laughs) And we sat down and we played a game because we were like, no, this is fun. And I looked up and I said, why why aren't we doing this? Like, like, why don't we just have everybody come together and just play games it, game night. it doesn't have yeah. to be about like oh let's have a big service or something right. like that's good i'm glad we do that oh, we yeah. need that yeah. but also we need time to just like play a stupid game and yell at each other because that's fun <laughs> too you know like yeah. i love it and so i see that in lewis's story yeah i see that camaraderie that just like you said they're just doing what they like to do yeah yep. we need more of that we do we definitely do sweet so I definitely know expert on C.S. Lewis at this point. Oh, gee. But Neither one of us. I'm glad we learned a little bit. Yeah. Because, like, it's cool to put a little bit of background to, to the face and to the words. It's kind of fun seeing somebody of Lewis's stature walk toward faith very, very slowly. Begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. And uh, with... With the influence of geniuses and the <laughs> influence of a guy that really he, he loved it. Gomer Pyle. He loved it. Yeah, he was a Gomer Pyle. <laughs> he, was, he, he was definitely not a genius. Yeah. But I love that quote. He taught me charity. He taught me love. And for all of my efforts, I tried to teach him arrogance. And he never picked it up. <laughs> That's a- that's so good. That's wonderful. So uh, thank you guys for listening to Salty Saints. Uh, if you've got any questions for us, send those to questions at becomehope.com yep. or Salty Saints. Oh, at Saints be- at I, I'm going to remember it one day. Salty Saints at becomehope.com. Um, we have so many emails, and they're all interlocking. <laughs> so. hey, and if you like these faith stories, let us know. Who would you like to hear about? That's right. Um, we're talking about doing more... Now, maybe some more like biblical faith stories. Yeah, as well as like political or not political, but like uh, 
key figures in the church. Sure, like whether it be church fathers or like, you know, I guess it could be people like uh, well-known Christian leaders of maybe could the be. past couple hundred years, Lewis being one of those, you know. Sure. And so uh, whether he knows it or whether he knew it or not. But, um, yeah, so, so let us know what you think. Give us a like. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a five-star rating, whatever it allows you to do. Leave us a comment and uh, let us know what you're thinking. You guys take it easy, and until next time, stay salty. Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.